So what have you been up to today? What's going on? Dude, so today, well, the property where I, I stay in like this little tiny 10 by 10 house in the back, mm-hmm. th- uh, this huge tree came down, rotted out at the base. And this thing was like really fat and just destroyed a bunch of stuff. And mm-hmm. so I've been, I've been taking care of that, kind of helping. That's been like my little movement practice, like moving some heavy logs and stuff and and then just just trying to figure out how to make more content make more stuff that people want to use that's kind of where my head's been at so what are some of like the the new things dude i even had the other day i was just i i discovered this like it, it kind of came to me from having watched something in the past where it was like chefs mm-hmm. cooking and they had like a water bottle next to them and they would mm-hmm. spray the food and i've mm-hmm. Like I've never done that before mm-hmm. and they would spray like the vegetables and someone showed me this, you know, and I was like, I was spraying the vegetables and everything's greener and it looks nicer and like it doesn't burn. And I'm like, that's very useful. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, how many times can I tell people to push more with their shoulders and give them like some other little insight that's been repeated countless times. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, eating food, it's something we all do. So my head's kind of in this, space of along with handstands yeah i would like to be useful and put out this evergreen kind of content that you know hey oh i didn't really think of that or something like you'd watch a youtube channel for and be like oh that's there's a lot of u- useful stuff here for my life yeah i, I so like more than just hand balancing or movement or something like anything anything like kind of in the periphery that that's where my head's at, but I'm also, I, I get conflicted because I think there's something to sticking to something for a while. And I think you can speak for that, you know, from stand-up comedy you did forever. And then uh, the movement practice and how it just needs that everyday dedication and devotion. And I've, you know, it's just like, how do I manage the time? And then how do I stay creative in this thing and not get bored of it? Because the boredom seeps in for me and I don't know how you fight it. Yeah, but I get bored of my practice very quickly, very easily, and I have to find new ways to kind of trick myself to come back. And I mean, if there's one thing that I definitely believe in, it's like you know, if there's something you're like drawn to, like not to ignore it, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, whatever, who cares? You're like, oh, like I'm into fucking spraying vegetables, like. <laughs> Yeah, if that's what's like driving me right now, like yeah, I, yeah. I, would, I would put it out there. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel that I feel that way when I like write my blog. You know, it's so easy to like, you know, get sucked into like what other people are doing or like being defined or landing yourself in a box. And like, that's why I find like I don't even like I don't listen to a lot of other people. I don't read a mm. lot of like other people's things because personally i become like a very good like mimic i really grab onto what other people do and 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 replicate it or i'm like i start kind of like you know comparing what i'm doing to like whatever they're doing it's like who fucking who cares like who Mm -hmm. cares just you know what i mean like yeah all of a sudden you can be the guy who like does handstands and talks about food yeah it it, it, it could be anything really but yeah i just and i it doesn't matter what it is but i mean like you right but There's I feel no you to define yourself. I feel you. I feel you about that whole falling into what everyone else is doing. And I think especially we had so much more time now. Everyone was home. There was so much more content being made, more posts, more people putting their opinions. And especially on 
just opinions, right? So everyone's sharing that. And then it's, it, it started to like kind of sway me. And I, I think it was just this like, what, what am I doing here? What is this even, you know, hands, who cares about this? The world is burning, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, how do I become a u- more useful in this time? But maybe I return to, let's just do all the handstand stuff because it's something fun to do, something I enjoy. And yeah, ultimately that's what matters. The other thing I really enjoy is uh, I enjoy stories. Like I don't, I don't, I, I really get bored like reading people's opinions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I think you can, I think people can convey opinions through story. And I think that that's like what people do really well. And people really are drawn to story. Right. But I think people think they're supposed to sound like a prophet or something or like a guru supposed <laughs> to say things in like a really like bizarre existential way. And like, they're trying to be like, you know, you know, pick the person, whoever they're trying right. to be like somebody, but I'm just like, I don't know, man, tell your story and like, show mm-hmm. the things you've learned through the story and maybe not everybody's going to get it but they'll get something because like if it's an honest story no matter how outlandish it is there's like a human element that people relate to mm-hmm. rather than like always being delivered like bizarre like cosmic shit do you know what i'm saying do you see some of that stuff absolutely I, do i see some of that <laughs> do i have personal gripes with all of that no yeah there the story, man, it's so much about the story. I think that's what starting this podcast taught me mm-hmm. doing these random talking videos where you look into the camera and mm-hmm. it's not some pretty picture of you. It's just you for a minute. Like it's the elevator pitch in yeah. a story. It's like, how, how can you write, convey what you're trying to say in, in like kind of sneak it under the pillow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the tooth fairy comes in. It's just like, Hey, here's my idea, but I'm going to like really package it in this beautiful way that you can maybe understand. That's not just like straight to the point here. Are the, the, a lot of everything is like bullet points. I'm guilty right. of that, right? right? Being very concise and not giving this, like not, not taking us through a story. That's what we all want to hear. That's why people might want to listen to us well, right now. Well, and when you listen to a story, you get, you have the opportunity to discover it on your own. Like, I don't want to sit around and just be yes. told things. I'm like, let me like, Mm-hmm. you know in some ways when you're told a story you're kind of like participating you know mm-hmm. like it's it's on you a little bit to have some like onus to to listen and observe and and make the connections and and find some of the things on your own rather than it always being like well, let me tell you this thing let me hand you this thing i'm like i don't know like i want to work for it i want to relate to it i want to like i, I want to attach some emotion and not always just be like well you know like this is what this is, you know, this is the philosophical meaning of here, you know, everything needs to be put in this way. And like, I don't know, like, let, let me take something out of something that's just from somebody that's interesting or, or had an interesting experience. I don't know. I think people, like I said, they, they get in this like place, especially like on the Instagram and places where they're like, Oh, let me spew a bunch of like word salad. And then, you know, I'm going to like levitate out of here or something. <laughs> Are there any accounts that you've found Mm-hmm. where they do this incredible job of telling a story around a topic that's not related to movement or anything. And, and then it, and all of a sudden you're, you're thinking about something in the current times where you're like, Oh, whoa, that's, is there any account like that that sticks out to you? There aren't any that like stick out in that way to me. I just, I do find in the movement world, a lot of people are trying to like explain you know, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't think there's anyone that stands out, but I also like, I don't spend a ton of time. Like I'm always, if I look, I'm like scrolling very quickly through things. Yeah. Um, but anytime I like click read more and there's like a diatribe, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm done. I'm not even like reading this on it because I'm also like, if it's that long, post it into like a blog or something that's a little bit bigger and like there that I can like get into it more. Mm -hmm. um, no, I can't think of anybody that does it for me. Is there anyone that stands out to you? There's one that does Shaz Jung, if I'm saying it correctly, S-H-A-A-Z-J-U-N-G, I think. It's mm -hmm. a photographer who he photos a lot of like leopards and cats, big cats mm -hmm. in the jungle. Yeah. But it sets this very like dark, ominous scene. Uh -huh. And and some of those photos and some of the writing and there's a few other like nature photographers mm -hmm. where like you where I've been able to see how they discuss or talk about global warming in a story format where it's mm -hmm. not it's not someone on either side shoving it down your throat. It's it, like you said, you're, you're a part of it and you, you get to make your own decision from it and you don't feel like this person is trying to force it down your throat. But then it becomes very clear mm -hmm. that they are leaning in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And even to lean, this whole leaning and picking a side thing is pissing me off, man. I don't know about you. Ah, I mean, listen, it's just like <laughs> that time. I just got done watching that John Oliver, the newest one, like talking about conspiracy theories and stuff. Oh, and like, yeah, well, this dude. is the age. Like, this is it. We're like, we're, we're deep in it right now. Oh, we're in it, yeah. I mean, you and I are both like in a cave right now. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I like set up like a, ca a very cave-like look. Yeah. Rustic. I'm in a cabin in Miami, Florida. So how are you passing the time like on a daily basis? Aside from like the, the tree going down today, like what does your day look like? Oh, it's just, uh, you know, a flurry of emotions. Uh, depends on what phase we're in during this, but yeah. <laughs> a little more stable now. Uh -huh. um, typically, was it, up, was, it, was it challenging there for a while? It was, man. I, I definitely hit a point where I felt like I was okay. Mm -hmm. And I, it was like, yeah, everything's cool. And then I started to maybe be a little bit more contemplative and then I started thinking about the work that I had lost mm -hmm. um, like my main job you know and I started to kind of financially feel the squish what what what's your main job so I'm a, a contracted coach for a company called Workleet. okay and we travel around the country teaching movement safety so we basically will like we'll show we'll show up to a warehouse mm -hmm. for a company who contracts us to come and basically show them how to squat, how to hip hinge and how to move stuff overhead. Okay. And this is like, 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 like corporations bring you in. Yeah. So it's like a B2B kind of thing. And the cool That's thing cool. is that the founders are from San Francisco and they, they were coaches at San Francisco CrossFit. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a really interesting story how it came up and it uses a lot of principles that you might hear at a CrossFit class or, you know, something like, Hey, how to learn how to deadlift, how to learn how to squat, how to, you know, how to keep your shoulder externally rotated and like certain things to keep the general population safe. Right. And how to just things they never learned. Mm -hmm. And so we basically put them through a day of the basics on how to move well in most situations. And then we apply it specifically to their, their task at work. So whatever they might do at, at work, we pick a certain amount of stations to kind of cover and show them how to apply those basics to anything they do and then give them the Hey, by the way, the basics apply all the time anywhere. Mm -hmm. You just got to get creative with it. So 
I assume like right when everything hit here, like that work got put on like the back burner. Yeah, it was on pause and it's like, okay, let's see how long this goes. But, and at this point, who knows? Um, But it, you know, it had this travel component to it. Uh, It was a great gig. I just, I love the work I did. Mm -hmm. It was my first real foray into coaching and it allowed me to coach uh, like people I would never see ever, you know, Mm -hmm. or or I would like just middle America, people who are, you know, just blue collar workers working 16 hour days, like tired, exhausted, broken. And just like during the day, it's like, you're really also bringing like some enjoyment into their day and their life and like mixing things up and making sure they have fun with it. And like, ultimately it's to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. and and keep them you know their bodies as healthy as we could so uh it was really rewarding work and i was trying out new coaching strategies with my buddy chris espinal is like mm-hmm. another good friend of mine who got me into the gig and I, I got to travel with him a lot everyone there was very close a lot of like it's like a very strong team mm-hmm. and in after not doing that for a while i really felt I really felt like, ah, man, something's missing. This part of me is missing. And how do I, how do I now, now find something to replicate it during this time mm-hmm. where this human to human contact and groups and stuff like this just isn't going to happen. So that but was, yeah. How often were you traveling for that? At, it was dependent on how many clients we had at any point and contracts and all that, but I could be traveling anywhere from like, two to four days a week. Oh, that's pretty significant. Yeah. So some, you know, the height of it, we had um, like four, four, four days a week, maybe, you know, we just, wow. and, and you pop around. So you go to like one for a day and then fly to the next location for maybe two days in a row and then fly back home. Right. So you, like you were on the road basically. And then all of a sudden like March hit and it was like, Oh no, now I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Right. Yeah. It's like, that's pretty significant change. Yeah, it was definitely man. And, uh, yeah, just, it's just a change in everything, a change in routine and then started to feel like, Oh, what does this mean for the rest of this year going forward? And Mm -hmm. so, and a lot of people are feeling this, right? A lot of people had it way worse. I'm lucky, man. I'm like, I feel so lucky to just still be kicking and still like, mentally i don't i can't imagine what some people have gone through yeah i mean and and we'll continue to you know it's like Mm -hmm. it's you know you know i remember i think you and i spoke like what was it like three months ago this must have been like in april or something when you and i like hopped on the phone i think so yeah yeah and it was just so different then because it was like you're in florida Mm -hmm. and i'm in new york and at the time it was like new york was just you know it was right crazy and and we were chatting in florida it was just so different the conversation was so different and like i had just left brooklyn and like you know being here and everything and and now i you know it's it's like it's a it's not like we've switched places but like there's definitely like different experiences that are going on from what it was a few months ago Mm -hmm. you know i imagine like being there in florida now it's like a it's a it's a totally different proposition yeah it's it just it doesn't it feels like and new york might feel like this too but it's like a a seesaw it's like yeah we're wearing the mask we're not wearing the mask the the you know the governor can't get on board with the mayors it's like 
or the mayor's can't. It's, it's just a whole, it's just adding to the confusion, mm-hmm. which is possibly the most frustrating part of it all is that if it, if it wasn't confusing enough to understand what we're dealing with in this virus, mm-hmm. to then further compound that with everyone confusing everyone else <laughs> with their ideas, mm-hmm. and that's happening at a government level, mm-hmm. at the highest level, like mass confusion. So yeah. this is frustrating. <laughs> right, you're almost just like, listen, I don't even care if it's the wrong message. But how about everybody just have the same message? Let's just pick one. Yeah. yeah. Like, you could be totally wrong, but I'll feel better if you all agree on one. Right. Yeah. Let's pick three. I mean, there's yeah. like millions out there. Let's pick three. Yeah, exactly. Like, they can be wrong, but just everybody get on the same, on the, on the same page yeah. with the same wrong idea. I don't care. Just like, you know, a clear message would be beneficial. Yeah. So then, so then what? So now how have you kind of structured your day then if you were in this place where you were traveling four days a week now are you practicing like is that is that how you're spending your time are you are you reading are you writing what you know you're recording your podcast like how, how do you fill these days so when at first it was nice it was like a lot of training time and mm-hmm. that was it was like a little honeymoon and then when the reality of it kind of hit me and it just I mentally couldn't take it too well. Mm-hmm. I just my days were very haphazard, man. And I, I, I know that I thrive with structure, and I need a structured day because mm-hmm. that's what I loved about these these work trips too. It's like I know exactly what's what I'm gonna do when I get there, how it goes down, what mm-hmm. we. I just I just do really well in it. And so in the beginning, it was a lot of haphazard days, just no reading, no writing, nothing, man, just consumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, consumption, consumption, just living in consumption, not really any of that. And then throughout the day, be like, yeah, let me go do my handstand practice. Let me just keep up with the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like the middle darker phase. And then now it's been a little more structured where I'm like, okay, I'm going to, when I wake up, I wake up when I wake up. So it's just like usually around seven o'clock, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll get to write for like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I'll attempt it. I don't always do that. Mm-hmm. But I'll try to just write for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and just whatever, anything just to get my mind kind of racing on ideas. Mm-hmm. And and then I'll follow it up with the co- I'll make the coffee and then drink the coffee and then I'll I'll open up stuff to like WhatsApp for clients and mm-hmm. I will check emails. Like I like to just kind of dump my brain with all that stuff right away. Mm-hmm. I don't do any meditation or any of that. And then I'll just go into either having another coffee or like half of a coffee, not just too much more. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go for a bike ride. Okay. And then I just go bike ride, however long that takes, come home. And then it's back to the computer, Instagram, shooting videos, mm-hmm. uh, watching YouTube videos, getting lost in, you know, just the tunnel right. of, of some, uh, something to watch, some content, something to learn. You know, I, I, I consider a lot of the time when I'm on, uh, on YouTube and I'm watching a Joe Rogan podcast that that's when I'm, I'm learning. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then it's just a lot of that going back and forth between training time and then having something to eat and then coming back to a few, like half, maybe I even split up my handstand session sometimes, probably not ideal, but I just kind of keep myself moving. That's like an ideal day where I'm moving, not sedentary too long. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel good. And are you focused solely on, on hand balancing right now? 
So I, I, yeah, I guess I consider it solely hand balancing. I do mobility as well. Okay. So I hired a coach for that and it is its own session on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, you could do it separately till the hand balance, but I consider it a part of it mm-hmm. because it's like, you know, you want to make cool shapes. You got to be able to, you know, you have to be able to get what, into the shapes. Yeah. You got to get this. So it's like, I just see it all as one. Mm-hmm. And I basically consider hand balancing. I'll, I'll dabble with like picking up some heavy weights that we have here, some like dumbbells and, mm-hmm. and do some pulling work and, and some mm-hmm. dips and, and rope climb and mm-hmm. um, some barbell bent over rows and maybe deadlift or squat. But it's more of like, ah, I just get like, I see it and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go like bust out a few reps or like pick them up from different angles. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I got those WEC method pulsers. My mm-hmm. buddy gave me those pro pulser things. So I'll like, I'll mess around with that whole double down pulse idea. And right. I, there's, I'll, I'll go grab a gripper and squeeze it 10 times. Like I, I try and keep everything else outside of hand balancing. Mm-hmm. Very uh, non-structured, be creative with it, do whatever. Like, I think that's the point. Just be novel with your approach to all this movement stuff. Hey, that's interesting. Cause then it's like, you know, you're kind of creating like this, like linear structured model around the hand balancing but then everything else is just kind of like, oh, like it's a little more organic. It's a little more open, like playful. Right. So what are like the, the elements in hand balancing that you're, you're focused on? So right now it's the one arm handstand. Okay. Um, and specifically in one arm handstand, it's being able to support my left side in full position like you know legs together regular old handstand being able to support myself on my with my like how my elbow's feeling currently Mm -hmm. just supporting myself there and fingertip and being able to hold it like that's that's a big jump for me i can do that on my right side Mm -hmm. like with with my right arm i can i can fingertip uh tent on my left and feel comfortable and hang out there but it's this like discomfort and wobbliness that I've been working on also with the mobility shoulder stuff, like a lot of internal rotation mm-hmm. has helped me. I, I dislocated my left shoulder two or three years ago, mm-hmm. three years ago now. And so this, I never really worked on it. Like I should have outside yeah. of external rotation work and all that. Mm-hmm. So this internal rotation mobility work has been helping me like kind of lock it in. Mm-hmm. So that's been the like specific thing within one arm, Mm-hmm. Uh, that I've been focusing on in that position. And then in the straddle, I have this thing where, you know, we all have our things, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's got like that, that one thing they do that they shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have a tend to be, have like a floppy inside leg. I just, it just becomes soft. When I go fingertips, my legs do like this. It tries to do the same thing. And mm-hmm. so I just get all floppy and I fall out and I tell myself, Hey, you're not going to do it this time. Don't do it. Don't do it. Squeeze your leg. And then it just happens. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm working on. Hey, listen, you've got a, as far as I'm concerned, you have a beautiful handstand. I think uh, any like real hand balancer who looks at my handstand probably cries at the very least on the inside, <laughs> but some of them might actually openly cry. Because oh, my, uh, <laughs> well, my hands, my handstand is just like, you know, getting through what I can do. I mean, I can like almost balance on one hand, but it is not like, I've got poor shoulder thoracic things that have been long-term projects that will prevent it from potentially ever being the line. 
You know? <laughs> the, but oh, if I can get on the one arm, then I'm like, well, who really cares if I can balance on one arm? Yeah, if you can balance on one arm in any way and it doesn't have to be pretty, who cares, dude? You can bounce on one arm. Yeah. I have a friend who can bounce on one arm and it is not pretty, but dude, he can bounce on one arm and he can hold it for time. And I'm like, who cares? If you could do that, I don't even know. Honestly, I've told myself that I'm going to be in this hand balance game for a while. Mm-hmm. And once I get like five or 10 seconds in like good old straight handstand, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I might just be like, this project's over. Like, <laughs> what's what's next because i feel like that's super cool and fun and and i've who knows but once you got it i mean i don't know the rest is crazy circus shit so why why hand balancing only because like you're not somebody who kind of like jumped in doing coming from like a hand balancing background or or it's not like you came into hand balancing and then decided to go into like a broader perspective you kind of started more like in a in a generalist place right? And like through that experience, you got a little more focused on hand balancing. So I don't know, maybe talk a little bit about like what that experience was like and why it kind of narrowed you into this, this one thing. Sure. So kind of how I got hooked on all this stuff was through Ido Portal. I saw, Mm -hmm. I don't know how it came up, but I guess since I've been like a YouTube user forever, like Mm -hmm. a consumer really, Mm some, I, I was probably watching something on like Pavel Satsulin and I always kept up with like th- things that I felt were fringe in anything, you know? So it's like in moving my body and becoming stronger, I was always into fringe ideas around that. And he came up in like the suggestions or something. And I'm like, I, I don't know. It's like something pulled me to it. And I watched that movement mastery video or whichever one it was that like everyone's seen. And I'm watching this guy do all this crazy shit and so effortlessly it seemed. And he's mm. like super strong. He's doing a one-arm handstand. And dude, something clicked to me where I was like, I need to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing I need to be doing. I'm not doing it. I'm just doing deadlifts and pull-ups and just regular basic shit. I need to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I searched this guy's name in Miami and Sean, Eli, and Eileen came up in this you know, Republic of Movement. I'm like, mm-hmm. what is this? And so... I started up with them and it was like in the be- kind of in the beginning phases. So they still had classes in the park. And how long ago was this? This was four years ago, three uh-huh. and a half, four. I don't I, Yeah, mm-hmm. man, it's crazy. Um, and dude, that really changed my life because I just became hooked mm-hmm. and I would do it every day mm-hmm. and I would go to class every day and they gave me homework and I would do the homework and I saw myself getting stronger and I got the muscle up and, we had to learn how to be on our hands to do a lot of this locomotion thing that was part of this practice. And some of the concepts came from Capoeira. So we did a lot of these like moving inversions, I call them, or, you know, not static balancing, but just dynamic balancing, moving on your hands. And as we started to do that stuff, I just did more and more handstands. And then I found like that was the part of the practice that I wanted to do more of. And I, wanted to get the straight line and it just naturally and i think i saw myself also naturally doing well at it and having certain prerequisites like i had very good mobility Mm -hmm. Uh, things kind of came easy to me in that realm Mm -hmm. and i don't know i said hey i want the one-arm handstand and i only want to dedicate an hour a day 
to max to my practice. So something has to give you like, I can either do a movement, a general movement practice. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to at least do that for two hours a day, I feel to make any progress significantly in any areas for me to feel accomplished. Mm-hmm. Or I dedicate to one skill and hand balancing was just the thing I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. That was the thing that rose to the top. Yeah. So then what? So then do you stop going to class and just start hand balancing or, or was it more of like a slower, like progression from like one to the other? Yeah. So it was more like, so I, I left Miami and then I moved to New York and what, what, what brought you to New York? I knew you were in New York because like, I feel like there was like, I feel like you sent me a couple messages at one point. We had like a yeah. little bit back and forth, but then like we never crossed paths. Yes. Um, um, but was it a work thing that sent you up to New York? What, what, what brought the change? No. So my, well, it was a work thing for my, uh, a girlfriend at the time. Oh, okay. So my a girlfriend at the time got a job and she's like, Hey, you want to come? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I've been, I've been once before. So I was like, Oh, that's cool. I want to go back. Okay. And yeah, so that's what brought me there that time. So then I continued doing online coaching with Sean mm-hmm. and like set it up for me. He's like, yeah, let's do like an online thing. Mm-hmm. And so I just had my own, you know, he gave me what to do. And then I would just go to Brooklyn boulders and it was close to where I lived. I would ride my bike there and you know, I had a little space to do the thing and, mm-hmm. and then I would do my thing. Okay. And, uh, it's cool. That's actually where I met Boris. Oh Boris? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Such yeah, a sweet yeah. Guy, man. Oh, Boris is awesome, man. Yeah. So you, so then it was like, once you weren't in Miami, there was a little bit more of like, Oh, well now, like I'm not doing class necessarily. Like, uh, like no one's really watching. I can start kind of like yeah. putting my time in a little bit of the place that I'm being drawn to. Yeah. And even yes. And and I I also say I I'm not I don't like classes. Mm-hmm. Like if anyone's watching and I haven't been to your class or I've been to your classes before, it's not that I don't like. I just don't I don't like the structure of most classes. I like having my thing to do mm-hmm. and then doing it on my time or doing it with other friends. Mm-hmm. But like where we do our own thing and then we're together and then maybe right. we it's like hey let's let's. Let's jam on, you know, this, let's try, hey guys, try this out. And then you add one. Something like that to me is more exciting, but a structured class, I, it's just not my thing. Right. It's almost like you, like you want like the more like um, spontaneous moments like with your people. Yeah. Like if it were a class, like my favorite part of the movement classes were the locomotion part. It's like, oh, this is it. We're doing it. You know, now we're just jamming. Right. Either that or the build up to it. But it was just more of like, oh, this is the fun and creative aspect to it. Right. So, so yeah. So, but, but, I, I mean, you're like a unique person. And I know this just from like owning a place and teaching classes. There aren't many Nelsons who walk in the door who are like, yo, I'm ready to do tons of shit on my own. Like, no, I know exactly this. what to do. And <laughs> I will do it. Most people, it's like, they want like, they want their handheld, but not like, the, the class for like the fingers are on like the opposite sides, you know, like they want yes, the whole interlocking the interlock. The oh shit. No, like, take me the entire two hours from beginning to end. And I realized like that's also what frustrates people when, when at least someone like me, I like, don't do that. I'm like, there are certain times I'm going to give you more information. And certain times right. I'm going to give you less information and certain times it's kind of clear what we're doing. And sometimes it's like, I don't even know what we're doing. I just want to see what happens here. 
Right. But yeah, like I can understand if you're, if you're that person, the unique person who shows up and you're like, I will do the thing. Yes. I want to do it. You know what I mean? So like you're kind of an outlier in a class setting. Yes, I guess I am. And, and it's not to say I haven't liked and enjoyed the classes. I've, I really enjoy workshops. That's what yeah. I feel. That's, that would be my ideal world is everything is a workshop. We meet once a month, once every two months. Right. And then but we like come, six hours. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. We dive in deep and then go do your homework. Yeah. That's how I think all of this stuff is really effective anyways. And that's essentially what online coaching is. Yeah. Um, but, or any so, sort of like really good in-person private coaching. I so, agree. Yeah, man. It, it's a, and it's funny because people ask me, hey, when are you going to do handstand classes in Miami? When are you going to do handstand classes? And, and I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got, yeah, yeah. But then I go home and I'm like, I don't fucking go to classes. Like, well, then, but, but then you just said what you should do. You should teach a, like a once a month workshop. That's like uh-huh. three or four hours. And you're like, we show up, we get together, you learn some shit and then I'll see you in a month and we'll talk about whatever you did and we'll catch up dude, and we'll, we'll rebuild. I can't believe you just gave me my own light bulb back. Like there it is. It's like, Hey dude, you just said the you thing. You said it right to me. <laughs> you told me exactly what you wanted to do. You just oh, said it. Man. Yeah, you could have a community and then you might even have people who are like, oh, yeah, then we meet up and we train at the same time and once in a while some spontaneous stuff happens. It's awesome. Yeah. All right, so you're in New York at Brooklyn Boulders and you decide that you're done doing all the other stuff and you want to focus on the handstand. No, I wasn't done yet. I wasn't done yet. Okay. No, no, I came came back. Then I came back to Miami and I kept doing the thing that that didn't work out. Came back to Miami, uh, kept doing the movement thing and it was even better because I was back with everyone. Yeah. And now there was a gym, there was a space we can go to, like, it was awesome, man. So I kept that up for like another year, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then what happened, man? I don't, I don't know what happened where I just kind of made him, but there was some sort of moment there where I just, I was just like, oh, I'm going to decide. Oh, I think I was in DC at the time. And, um, I have a pattern. Yeah. There's another girlfriend, you know, yeah. So okay. I know my patterns, you know? Okay. And, uh, so, 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 so every girlfriend you end up with, that's how we decide where, where you're going, where we're going next. Yeah. So, okay. so let's see where this next one takes me, you know, what part of the world, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm in, in DC and I meet Adrian, Adrian McCavitt. You know, Adrian McCavitt? No, I don't no. Oh man. This guy's, I mean, awesome dude. He has this place called the the Yoga Dojo in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. But he's an dude, and he, and he's an incredible hand balancer. He can fucking shoot bows with his toes. So interesting. When I was when I was in college in two thousand four in L A, I had an apartment, um, in in Los Angeles, and there was a girl who lived like downstairs or in the same complex, who who could do that, and like at the time <laughs> it didn't even like click with me you know what i mean like when you're 19 you're so like in your own world you're like yeah that's cool whatever but now i'm like man i should have like picked that person's brain right that person was like you know that might have been you today yeah i know i know i totally (laughs) missed out all right so so this is in dc is where you like met somebody who was like like circus style hand band yes like exactly circus level isn't in the circus but he's totally circus level Mm -hmm. and that was kind of where, and he was giving me a little bit of instruction and um, that's kind of where I was like, man, I've, 
this is the thing I want to stick because just being around him, I'm like, I want to stick to something and see mm-hmm. where it can go because look where it went for him, you know? And like, mm-hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that might have been where it was like, okay, let me. And I think I even made a post about it like, I'm going to devote myself to only handstands. I'm going to get the one arm handstand at mm-hmm. some point around there because of Adrian. Like, I got inspired to, to kind of make that journey. And just he was my first kind of like handstand coach, mm-hmm. even though we really didn't do much, but he, he gave me some initial homework and it was like, that was my like i guess that was the jump to just handstand stuff is that who you're working with now no so i adrian gave me some homework and i and i went to a workshop with nico Mm -hmm. um this guy nicholas uh nicholas standing or i I don't know his handle another circus guy Mm -hmm. and so i had lots of homework to do i did that for like a year on my own Mm -hmm. and then um i guess my God, did I have a coach before this? I'm trying to think. I'm like, did I miss a coach somewhere in here? I can't think of anyone, but Jonathan Last has been the coach that I've had for one-arm handstands. Okay. And yeah, I don't think I've had a coach for anything else. So um, Jonathan well, in, Last. Well you're, well, you're in, well, you're in good company right now because I, when I talked to Carl Powley, he was saying, and I asked him, I was like, oh, what are you working on right now? He was like, I'm just working on the one-arm handstands. Dude, Carl. Damn, and, Carl's and, probably got the thing already. No, he said he said he's working to try to get 10 seconds on each side and then he said um he's working with uh miguel i forget miguel's last name yes miguel santana yeah i had t- i took a workshop with him like right when i first got like my 30 second handstand and i said to carl when we talked when i was at that workshop because the first half of the day it was like for like all levels and then the second half was for like what he called advanced but it was for anybody who could hold 30 seconds or more and i had done like three 30 second handstands so like mm-hmm. My friend was like, oh, yeah, just stick around. And I, that's when I realized I was in way over my head. <laughs> and, like, these people are working on shapes and pressing. And, like, there's, like, a group of three of us who are, like, doing the press drills, but we're just, like, pressing up from the floor and then falling into each other. <laughs> it was, like, a, a, a train wreck when there was, like, some crazy circus stuff going on. But it was eye-opening in terms of, like, oh, like, this is – now I really see where, what can happen when you get a group mm-hmm. like this together, like where I can go, what I can do. If I commit some time and energy, like now I have some perspective. Right. Yeah. That changes everything. Oh it ch- yeah, exactly. It changes everything. And, and it, it, it made me realize that, yeah, this thing is, it goes so deep. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's endless. It's endless. The amount of time you spend on this, something that is not perceivable to, the eye that has that doesn't do the thing right so which accounts which is most people mm-hmm. like you know we live in a little bubble instagram bubble we think everyone is doing all this movement stuff and then i you know someone watches me do a handstand it's like they're like whatever they care less you know um well, people don't care at all and they right. should yeah why yeah exactly why should yeah right why we live in the bubble right so we think this is the most important things that we live in this bubble so yeah like being exposed and seeing it and just thinking about this thing I do at such a minute level mm-hmm. is so important to me. It, it requires so much focus and time and attention. And I still fail at getting clean, a clean session. That's something I've been trying. It's a, like a longstanding goal. What does that mean? What is where, that? I, where I'm just in complete focus from beginning to end. I'm visualizing all of my sets during my rest periods. Mm-hmm. It's like a very ideal session mm-hmm. where I'm not like, Oh, did I buy, uh, you know, enough soap, uh, you know, like where these thoughts are popping in my head where I'm in the handstand 
and I'm thinking about how I'm going to fail while I'm in the thing. It was like just a very clean session mm -hmm. is a goal within itself of, and within this practice, because it just requires this just time hanging out, not moving much, but mm -hmm. all the little movements matter so much. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I admire it. It's not the journey that, uh, that I'm going to hop on, but I do admire like that kind of, um, focus. And I also think that like people who, who spend that time and get to like a specialist level are really important players for, for, for everybody. You know what I mean? Without like people who are specializing and putting that kind of time in, um, people like me don't have anyone to s steal information from. It's for real. I mean, like, that's like, like when I go to jujitsu class, like I'm going there to get information from grappling specialists. You know, like I'm trying to go learn how to like mm -hmm. speak that language. And I can't learn that from just like the people who kind of like dabble, you know, it's like, oh, I need to go get it from like the people who speak it fluently. Right. It's not specialist mm -hmm. versus generalist or specialist or generalist. It's specialist and generalist. Mm -hmm. They both, I realized over time, it's like, this is what it is really. It's, they feed each other, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like jujitsu guys and what Conor McGregor fighters now taking a little bit of the generalist, uh, generalist, appro eh, generalist approach and then applying it to this like specific thing they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And it, like, it just, it goes back and forth. It's a beautiful thing. I, there was a weird thing where people were trying to be like, Ooh, generalism is the only way. And some people, the specialist, you know, we're gymnastics, like that's it. We're the one. And mm -hmm. But I was just saying, I was like, Hey, listen, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what people do, but I think it's important that people kind of understand what they're doing. You know, like I think for instance, like people who do CrossFit are like, Oh, like I am a generalist. You're like, eh, not, not really. You're actually specializing in CrossFit. You know what I mean? Like mm, you're not exploring right. that many different realms and planes, like like your physical potential. You're not dancing. You're not like necessarily getting more coordinated. Like you're not getting more rhythmic. You're not dealing with like all sorts of weird objects and whatever. You're not doing it. So that's okay. I don't care. But you should know because like you don't want to confuse like the message. So that's the only thing. I'm like, oh, like if you're a specialist, be a specialist. Who gives a shit? You know? Right, yeah, just do the thing you want to do. <laughs> yeah, do whatever you want to do. do, the thing you like, do it's it more can, labels. It, but the brand and promotion can be confusing to people who are unclear about what's what. Right. Yeah, and it's it, something we naturally do is we put things in boxes. That's how we communicate, right? So it's like, oh, these guys over here are doing this thing. So and that's what we do. We follow and we copy and we maybe create something a little bit new and then other people are like, Hey, that's cool. I'm coming over, come on over to your box. And then we're all going to call this a thing. Yeah. Were, are you from Miami originally? I am. Really? I'm a Miami. I'm a Cubano man. I'm not like from the boat Cubano, but mm -hmm. I was born here. Parents Cuban. Your parents were born in Cuba. Yeah. When did they come to Florida? They came when they were like six or seven. Wow. I hope I got that right. Yeah. Or even a little bit younger than that, maybe. Uh huh. But yeah, they came over here and then uh, my mom went straight to Indianapolis. You imagine that a Cuban straight to Indianapolis, Indiana. Why Indiana? 
there was work there. So my, my grandmother went to work in like a factory and mm-hmm. there was work there. And there were, there was also like families and communities supporting being like, yeah, you, you guys can come over here. And yeah. So I think there was something like that going on. Mm-hmm. I should probably learn more about this, but, and then my dad came to Miami and it was just stayed in Miami. And then my mom came back they met and. Wow. So ha- I mean, have you been back to Cuba since like, um, you know, the, 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 the world has changed and we're able to like make these like trips there now? I've never been, man. No, no. I've, and it's now it's closed up a little bit more mm-hmm. be, uh, or closed up again. I think Trump put some sort of like uh, restriction. So then there's less flights to certain airports. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if I'll, there'll be really a chance to, if I wanted to and, or you could, you might have to like go, you like go to Canada and then go down or something. Or yeah, or I think you can still go, like there's still flights from Miami. It's just, there's less airports open or something like that, or less airports accessible. It's like, you can only fly into Havana. I think mm-hmm. there used to be a lot more little airports you can fly into. So it's a lot less flights or more expensive. Yeah. That's how, as I understand it from someone telling me, I don't, I don't know much more than that. But, but being in Miami, there's a lot of like Cuban culture, right? Oh, dude, it's everywhere. Yeah. And it's just Hispanic culture. It's really like mm-hmm. North, South America, North, South and Central America and or North, South America. And then um, like all the Cubans are here, man. Like we're here. <laughs> so do you feel like then that like you, you, despite like not having grown up in Cuba and having not visited that like you, that you still like, know that culture in a pretty deep way because of like being surrounded by so many people from Cuba in, in Miami. Yes, absolutely. And you, and growing up, I've really wanted to divorce myself from the culture down here. I felt like it was very loud, obnoxious. Like there's all these things that I would like, this is annoying. Like mm-hmm. what, what's like, this is such a weird place. No one speaks English. Like just this angst, maybe this teenage angst of like just rebelling against something. And that's what I chose to rebel against. And I was like, I want to get out of this town. I'm going to get out of this place. And I've been out of the place Mm -hmm. and I keep coming back. And I've found this love for this place. This last time I moved back, Mm -hmm. it's just amazing, man. Like the culture is so unique and the people, I love them, man. It's like, we're, we're such a, it's such a diverse group of people down here, like in within Hispanics and Mm -hmm like all these different cultures from South America and then these uh, Caribbean uh, islands. And mm-hmm. it's just with the Cubans, like, oh, yeah, yeah. you ever heard like, oh, you know, like Dale, Pitbull. It's like, oh, yeah. like the way people speak, the way people interact, it's so raw. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's very much like, you know, Italians like, hey, what the fuck? Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. it's very much like that. But in Spanish, like Cubans are like, oh, yeah, like, eh, what the, f-? It's, it's very much this, like, whatever, we'll figure it out. Like mm-hmm. we're resourceful. It's like people who went through a struggle. Yeah. Like they, they were able to, they were able to just be so impactful when they get like, they, they got, it's like people created businesses, like just entrepreneurs, like hustlers. Like it's amazing, man. Like such a beautiful culture down here. Mm-hmm. And I think it gets a bad rap because mm-hmm. of all, there's like a lot of bad things that do happen. Like there's a lot of fraud that happens in Miami and yeah, there is like the the party cocaine culture and all that 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 gets mm-hmm. wrapped up into Miami and this yeah. you know party lifestyle. But the culture is strong here, and it's it's very much a part of Miami, and you cannot avoid it, man. I mean, you go go to eat places and there's amazing food, and mm-hmm. no no one speaks English. 
Mm-hmm. Like you want to go make your order and you, you talk to them in English and they're like Spanish right back to you. Right. You speak, <laughs> and, you, and you speak Spanish. Really. I, I speak like a gringo, man. I can understand everything. Uh-huh. It was my first language. Uh-huh. And then I went to school and just, we had one Spanish class. We'd never spoke it at home. Really? My, my parents always tell me, they're like, that's the one thing we regret is not speaking Spanish with you at home. Never huh. spoke it at home. And then my grandmother only spoke Spanish and I just still didn't care enough to learn to talk with them even and just kind of get by. And yeah. I, you know, everyone who came to like chop the tree and the guy who was working on the tree here to pick it up, like doesn't speak a lick of English. And I'm just speaking to him with my broken Spanish and he understands me and you know, the, the tree is gone, not the house. So, <laughs> you know, good enough. Yeah, you like got through it. Right. Yeah, well, it sounds like that should be your, your, your project here. Another project is just like refine your Spanish. Uh, dude, you, you, you know, like, you know full well what I need to be doing because I have Duolingo. That would be a good project. I have Duolingo on my phone. Do you really? And, yeah, and I, I build streaks and then I'll, yeah, like, you know, I'll talk with my parents. I'll try and talk with my parents more now, my grandmother, but I, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I fall out. <laughs> I, have, I have this plan to learn Portuguese um, only well, it started because people kept and continue to keep thinking that I am from Brazil. It happens constantly. I was sitting, we went out to dinner once and I was sitting there and um, the server came over and he looked at me and I was wearing Havaianas mm. and he looks at me and he's like, you're from Brazil, right? And I said, no you and he said no peru and then he walked away (laughs) but like that's what it is like people who are from like other latin countries Uh are looking at me sometimes thinking i'm from brazil and then i realized like oh you know i i do jujitsu i love doing jujitsu and Mm -hmm. like you know like the culture is so like rich in that practice and you know like the same thing goes for like capoeira. Like if you really want to be in it, like learning the language is like a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I will learn Portuguese at some point here to fit the look, but then also fit the, uh, some of the practices that I'm in. Dude, that's hilarious. I, I get mixed up for Brazilian and Israeli too. Oh, you get them both. Yeah, I get the, I get those two. And Dude, it's funny you say Portuguese because that's the language I would actually like to learn first before Spanish because I love, I just think it's such a beautiful language. But they're similar, right? There, there's, I've, I've heard there's similarities. I mean, you can hear similarities certainly in words, mm-hmm. uh, but structurally, I don't, I don't know that. Mm-hmm. I, there's something so, I feel, I feel like it's a very romantic language. It's like flows, mm-hmm. a lot of the music that comes from there, like the samba and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 like as, as people are speaking it, you feel your hips start to move. Yeah. My hips start to move. Other things start to happen. I cannot explain on this podcast, <laughs> but it's just, it's just, you know, I just, I just want to dance and I just want to play a small little guitar. Yeah. I don't know what takes over me. And when I, so this is probably like 2008 and like I was working every, you know, every little kind of job to get by. And I got this job as a day laborer in New York city where they were um, renovating this big ballroom and they were going to turn it into like a, a new big, like kind of event space. And I got brought into work 
there and I had no skills. So I was basically just carrying sheetrock and sweeping and everything. And as the, as the build out started going, they kept bringing in like new crews. Like there was a plumbing crew and there was a painting crew. Um, there was an electrical crew and each crew was like from a different Latin country. So it was amazing. Like I, like all the guys who were the painters were all from Puerto Rico. Um, the dudes that I worked with were all from Mexico. The, the dudes who did the electrical, I think they were from Peru, but it was this like amazing, like cultural experience, like being with all these dudes, like, you know, interacting and getting like a piece of like their thing as this was going on. But despite having like gone through five or six years of Spanish in school and then being there with those guys for like almost two years, still don't speak any Spanish. <laughs> still don't speak any. Not a lick. I know it just, it needs that a consistent daily practice. What I've heard it can, is a good way to do it is get the newspaper in Spanish. Hmm. That's interesting. I haven't heard that one. I just but read I if you like just read the newspaper in Spanish and conversations and newspaper in Spanish. Hmm. I'll, maybe I'll try that um, when I get to the when I get to the 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 Portuguese goal here. Yeah, I think that that's um, I think that that should be your thing. I think you should tackle your Spanish to like fit in and being able to like hold hold it down down there. Okay, then, mom. And then do the, and then do the Portuguese. Yeah, your mom. All would be right, proud. all right, mom. Your mom. No, would she would. She would, and I'll send her a clip from this podcast because right. it re- you're, you're hitting on the money, man. It's more important than one-arm handstands, for sure. Way more valuable to me and the connections in my life. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, listen, like, uh, I don't know. It sounds amazing. I'm, I've never been to Miami, but, like, I, I don't know. I, 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 I love that kind of, like, like, the energy of those kinds of places. When the time is right, there's a beautiful Airbnb here with your name on it. Oh, Man. And dude, in the best place, I think it's the best neighborhood in Miami. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we talked and you were the, the place that you're living right now is kind of like a sanctuary. Yeah. We call it the sanctuary. It's, oh, it's, really? Yeah. Like, you know, it's not like the Grove Sanctuary. The neighborhood's Coconut Grove. Uh huh. And it's got, you know, it's its own little, it's got its name and its vibe and it's gorgeous here. There's, they have, ordinances on cutting down trees here so everything is very protected and mm-hmm. it's it's you're in the caribbean basically so it's just man beautiful green luscious it's been raining every day now so and you live in like a tiny house now right yeah a little 10 by 10 tiny house in the back it's very in right now i feel like people are like getting ready to live in tiny houses and in vans you know what it is kyle it's uh being poor is trending and uh, (laughs) not having a savings account is trending really hard right now yeah are you are you getting unemployment right now i am not no man i have i've been trying to honestly but i i can't even like the florida system is so messy i've had to call several times they Mm -hmm. they put you with someone who they've contracted who actually can't make adjustments and changes i had like some error came up because i didn't do my taxes before uh-huh. I, apply, I got applied before I had done my taxes. So they, uh-huh. they're like, you didn't make any money, man. And I was like, no, I made money. I, I paid you for it too. So, so I'm, I'm kind of like in this. You still, haven't, you still haven't gotten any? So I'm, I'm just in this like limbo where I don't even, dude, the system, you can't even get to anyone. It's like, it's, 
it's a nightmare. There's there's like forums of just right. It's like how Florida just doesn't want you to get through. It's just so poorly managed, and and this the online system is like there's a waiting line online. I never thought there'd be a time where I would have to actually wait in a line mm-hmm. online to yeah. enter yeah. into a portal, like a like a back end portal to yeah. see my own stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> well, I I mean, so before we ended up doing a few different things because we got like a, a loan for the gym. But then mm-hmm. like after that went out, like I got on unemployment. But I remember when I first looked at the unemployment website, I realized the last time I was on unemployment on unemployment was in like 2009. And when I was looking at this website, 2020, <laughs> like this is the same website. Yes. yes. This website oh, hasn't changed. And then now like that was back in like April when I was like trying to figure out what's going to happen here. Yeah. July, they've already like updated the website and it's like, it's got a whole new thing. But I mean, that's New York state and they're just like, you know, we're, we're revamping, but I couldn't believe it. I'm like 2009. It's the same website. No wonder why this thing is crashing. Oh no. Here in Florida, we're looking at something from the dot com 99. Like it's, it's someone just got, someone paid like a million dollars for the, you know, Someone got paid a million dollars to build this terrible website or something. It's like, right. It's like, yeah, it's built through like, what is it? Earthlink or something. <laughs> yeah. You got to download Earthlink and oh, get a floppy man. disk. And... So is there any chance that you guys would make this, this gig, the, the, the job you were doing, like some sort of online thing? Like if, I'm sure people still want it or need it, you know, or these companies still want to provide it to their employees, especially now. Yeah. So they, they told us that, just to hold tight that there might be some in-person trainings mm-hmm. with some of the contracted companies. So they like when the time is right for us to fly out and do a modified training. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, they're working on figuring out an online piece because there also is already an online platform. So the cool part about this platform or this of work lead is we come and train the coaches, right? So you coach the coaches. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to give, them enough information one day obviously it's never enough Mm -hmm. so they get continuing education through an online platform Mm -hmm. that has like hey this is the stuff we discussed Mm -hmm. here's some more videos they have they get quizzed on it so it kind of tests their proficiency on it and then they're supposed to meet up with um, their employees like whoever they're managing and supervising and then show them what we did with them Mm -hmm. or whatever they've learned in the videos and it's awesome because the companies love it they the, they do have less injuries. Hmm. They, ha- they get less reported injuries and they pay out less than workers comp. So, so the program works and it's, it's highly effective. So it looks like transitioning to an online model mm-hmm. might be something that works naturally because they are, they're already exposed to it. The employees are already seeing this. Most of the time they see the online platform. They only see us once a year, maybe. Hmm. Hey, I think, uh, I think that's interesting. I think, but I, I think you should, uh, pitch them on like a hand balancing in there as well. A little like, Hey, how to hand balance <laughs> for yeah. your workers. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be so interesting, man. Would, yeah. Or some yeah. sort of like special specialization that they can like, you know, like, like a module that they can like dig into to dig. Yeah. You know what? I, I might keep that one for myself to be honest. Yeah. That, just, might, that might be the better move. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I might just keep that one for me and then, uh, and then try and build my own little platform or something. But, that's a good idea. I mean, now is like the time. It's essentially, I think if you're an online coach, 
you kind of got to build some structure, right? There has to be like every coach has something they use, maybe Google docs or sheets, or they have a uh, true coach or something where it's like your videos are organized. Mm-hmm. People get their programs. They can communicate with you in some way. You can give them audio vi- video or text feedback. Mm-hmm. Like all of it needs some sort of structure. So I think this time, like a lot of us are having to do this, right? Like you have to create an online platform. You have to be out there. Like we're being forced into the computer being our, like, this is, this is the workplace now. Yeah. Or it's going to be a larger piece for these kinds of things more Mm. so than they were before. I mean, that's kind of the direction we're going right now is like trying to develop like a, an online platform plan some sort of execution mm-hmm. um because in our case we don't even have the space anymore we're like well now we gotta you know move the pieces but i think it's exciting i like i like change i'm i'm into change i love this i think it's awesome i think this awesome in some ways clearly it's awesome, not awesome in many ways but it's awesome how um i like it i think it's advantageous to how i like to work and how i like to be in front of a camera Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, I don't even go to many classes. So like for, for, oh, the classes aren't around. I don't know, man. I, I don't go to the classes. So yeah, f- it just works well for me. And I think a lot of us are just, yeah, we're, we're going to be creating many platforms, whether we like it or not. We were doing that by having a social media mm-hmm. and having an account and making it public. You created a platform. You, all of us follow some sort of structure where, whether we choose to or not. So yeah. it's just kind of forcing certain people's hands, but it's, it's a natural evolution of, I think of, of a lot of yeah. how this works. Yeah. I mean, I think the people who are like holding on are going to be the ones who are kind of like risking being left behind. I think of when you're like not being like, Oh, all right, well, I've got to be innovative. I've got to take some risk. I've got to try some things. I've got to fall on my face a little bit. Maybe this will hit, maybe this won't. If you're not in that place when, not, when all this change is happening, like maybe your thing will come back and it'll be fine. But like, there's a good chance that like, it's going to go in a different direction. That's why I, I just like start throwing shit against the wall. You know, it's, you know, what's in, I just thought of this, who's been doing this already very well and shows that the, the proof of concept, like it works, mm-hmm. the Edo Portal method. Yeah. Right. A few meetings, right? Like the core group, a few meetings uh, somewhere around the world Mm -hmm. and then uh, every year. And then you have these workshops that pop up, you know, maybe two times a year in different locations. All the the people who like I, you know, not all of them, but most people that I find that are doing interesting things that I feel like I've gotten interesting information from that I spend a lot of time working on their things. They're not people who own gyms. Right. (laughs) People who are out there and just like sharing information in different ways and like making themselves accessible here and there and researching and sharing. They're not like they don't have spaces, you know, and and that speaks to like a lot of these people. You know what I mean? Like, Ito, Fighting Monkey, Tom Wexler, you know, these are people who are just like, yeah, like I come and share some things and then I like go and work on my things. I don't need to be like there two classes a day, you know? Um, what made you think that you wanted to start a podcast? Well, the first thing was this, allowing myself to talk to people I wanted to talk to Mm -hmm. and having an excuse 
because mm-hmm. I would have to promote them, right? Mm-hmm. Or like I wouldn't have to promote them, but they'd get a chance to promote. So like it, it, it seemed to me like a win-win. It's like I get to say, hey, look, are you interested in like talking with me for a little bit? Mm-hmm. about whatever you want to talk to uh, talk about you know you can promote your stuff we just kick it we have a good time and i get to learn about you, you learn about me yeah and then we put it out there that yeah. was the main driver was like it, carl well carl dude carl Pauli, mm-hmm. the fucking man i had i was just kind of lost i didn't know what to do i had like 20 ideas in my head and i told carl about this podcast idea i had and i had this idea about like the daily practice and i wanted to talk about these certain things and Carl's like, you just need to go start a podcast. Like, just go do the podcast thing. Just go do it. Like, he, you know, it was much more than that, but essentially it came down to just go do the thing, man, and mm-hmm. just don't look back. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what it was. It was just like, okay, I'm going to do the thing. Low barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. Very easy to set up. Low cost. Mm-hmm. And, and you're creating connections. You're, you're getting to, it's like the human piece. And I would, it's nice that we can do it over, uh, Zoom, mm-hmm. I would prefer them in person, right? Because then it's like, hey, you get that energy and all that. But, mm-hmm. but even this, it was like such a beautiful way for me to like meet some of the people I admire or I like their ideas on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, and and a way for me to tap into like what they're about and and then just be like, hey, look, everyone else, I think these people are cool. I think you should know about them. Hey, well, I mean, I always appreciated, and I think I. I don't know. I think I think about it the same way that like, I don't know, like I saw you promoting your thing and it was people, it was a lot of different people. It wasn't just like, I don't know. I think it's easy for people to only talk to people who do the same thing that they do. You Mm. know what I mean? Like it's easy for like, Oh, like the jujitsu people are only going to like interview and talk to the jujitsu people and the hand bounce people are only going to talk to the like hand bounce and people are like, certain movement philosophy people are only going to like share the information of the same movement philosophy. It's like an echo chamber, you know? And I was like, Oh, I just like that. Like this person is talking to a whole bunch of different people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important, you know, because it, it, it can get like just two people repeating the same shit back and forth to each other over and over, Yes, you know? And like, I don't know what it's like to like, specialize and spend two hours a day hand balancing because i do this other thing but it's important for me to learn it the same way that like i need to like talk to like the dancer who like has spent years training dancing because that's like stuff i don't know about rather than being like oh hey you went to that workshop i went to that workshop too what did you like about it i like that about it oh cool you just said the same thing back (laughs) to each other because we study and do the same thing you know yeah so I, I, I appreciate that you're like, oh, like I just want to talk to interesting people who do their different kinds of practitioners. It doesn't have to be the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's I've even like the last person I had on the podcast, David Pennington, he's a writer. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do any of the stuff we do. He yeah. can care less really. Yeah. But he, he does, he does like a lot of people do hire him from our space mm-hmm. to be more effective in their copy and be more effective writers. But like again, a super cool dude. We're talking about data protection and privacy and yeah. things that are intriguing me at the moment. And I, it just wouldn't be satisfying for me to just talk to people in the same space doing the same thing. Like you're saying, like, what are we, like, what's the point, you know, at a certain, like, what's the point, man? I don't, I can hear myself talk about this stuff. I can listen to my friends talk about this stuff. I don't need to talk about it with 
you the same per- like we don't need to say yes yes yeah you know it's like why yeah exactly that's like that's i don't know that's the thing that i've always just been like ah like i don't need to hear two people who do the exact same thing talk to each other over and over do you think being involved in stand-up you know made that the obvious thing for you it's like you know you have to be good right like if you got to make people laugh you mm-hmm. it it can't be like the same shit that everyone well first of all you can't copy anyone else you have yeah. to truly be original yeah or else other comics will call you out yeah yeah i mean like listen it i don't know it's so hard it's like there are the things that i'm like i think that i observe about doing it and then there are the things that are probably the more important things that i'll never be able to like totally like wrap my head around that came from it um but i was thinking about it the other day and i my the thing that took me out of stand-up was the realization that i'd become a mimic you know i had when i had started i was doing something really interesting and original for like a short period of time but as like a 20 year old in new york city especially in like 2005 2006 you know especially wanting to be in clubs not necessarily in like this alternative comedy scene but like in the clubs you know you're admiring these people who are like dark edgy gritty and like the people i looked up to were like jim carrey robin williams steve martin so i don't know i was almost doing like avant-garde like shit it was like out there Hmm. but the road was really long right and it was really it was probably it was pretty much unpaid the thing that i was like kind of exploring was just not wasn't a thing and that was scary and i didn't handle I didn't, I didn't want to put myself through that. So rather than like continuing in that more interesting direction, I jumped on a more paved road and started doing something that could get me quick laughs, get me into a club and just get me like going. Mm. But fast forward seven or eight years and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, like I'm not expressing myself in, in an honest way creatively. And that's like, that's what's taking me down right now. And I've discovered this other thing that allows me to be honest and creative in, in potentially a different way, but like, at least I'm getting that out of it. And that was, that was the thing that made me leave. And I think people always say these bullshit, like cliche things like, oh, you know, living life without regrets or whatever. And the truth is, is like, I do regret it. And it's the regret that reminds me now to like, be honest creatively or at least pursue that and like not like get fearful hangups to prevent me from doing that because i did that and it was really tragic Mm. going through that experience you know of like potentially seven nights a week three four five shows a night of like not doing it you know like like selling out or whatever the whatever the expression is but it was like it took a lot of time for that to like get me out of it. It took even more time to realize like, oh, I can admit that that's what that was. Was it after you had left stand-up that you came to this realization? 
yeah, when I was doing it, it was just more like I was on stage. Like I, ta- I started teaching fitness and things like that. And I was like teaching boot camp classes and it was really satisfying. It was like a very positive experience in both directions. And one night I was at this place called the Broadway Comedy Club and I was on stage and I was like in autopilot. I think I was killing. I think it was a great show probably, but I was talking and my brain was thinking like, I'm never going to do this again. I'm done. Mm. This is over. I can't do this anymore. I can't go through this anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, at the time I probably rationalized it as like, Oh, like I found this other thing that makes me happy or, Oh, like, um, you know, I don't want to live this life anymore. Like whatever, all those things might've like had their elements of truth. But the bigger truth was that like, I had really hit a wall with, with creative expression and honesty and, and not having that, had taken so many chunks away that I was like, I cannot do this anymore. Um, so mm. the regret right now always reminds me that like, oh, like when I'm interacting or when I'm presenting or when I'm doing like, I want honest creative expression. Yes. Even if I fall on my face and it doesn't happen, at least I know like I'm, I'm not giving that piece up. You know, mm. that's why like, you know, anytime I feel like I get sucked in, like someone's trying to get me to like subscribe to something or like get in a box or be a part of this thing. Like, Oh, you're going to be like this guy or that thing. That's why I'm like, Nope, we're moving on because like, I'm going to do like, I'm going to be my thing, even if it's not great, mm-hmm. you know? And it still happens from time to time you get like caught in a box, but it's like, just kind of like being a little more aware of that because like that, the, the, the regret I live with, from knowing what was happening and then what it became is something that like burns the fire for now. Mm, that's dude. That's oof. you hit on this like creativity for your own creativity's sake. Mm-hmm. That that's something that I felt when I was doing web development really? and I was, that's my, and that was my only gig. Yeah. I felt it for so long. I was like, this is not right. This is not the thing I should be doing. I should be, and I kept coming back to like this. I need to be working with people. That kept being the thing that would come to me. Like, and, mm-hmm. and it's funny. I had people throughout like the last 13 years, maybe since I was 18, telling me at many different points in my life, you, you know, you'd be great at like a teacher or showing people how to do things. Like that, that came back. And then it's funny when I, when I, took the plunge with work lead and I kind of like, that was my first real teach. I I realized, whoa, Mm -hmm. like I had been, I had been suffocating myself in this other thing and going with it and denying it for so long, like really understanding how it wasn't the thing for me and Mm -hmm. continuing to work in that thing for years Mm -hmm. and going in and out of these depressive uh, moments and just not, just not fully being involved in the reality of what was going on. And like, dude, you just, this is not the thing you should be doing. Like, listen to your gut. I really believe people need to list, like cultivate that gut feeling and listen to it. And if you have it strong, never let that thing go. Cause that thing is so important, man. And it's, it's led me to some of the best decisions in my life and away from some of the most dangerous things in my life. It's also just like being open to change. Right. Right. I think I was listening to like a Alan Watts lecture and you know, they talked about all these different things or maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was someone else. But it's just the idea that like so much of suffering comes from attachment, right? And attachment is just this idea of like 
control and mm. holding on and staying in the same place. And like, you're supposed to change, you're supposed to evolve, it's supposed to keep going and that's okay. You know, people think that like, if they change, they're like a failure. If they change, they're giving up on something they've put so much time into. You said you spent 13 years doing it. You're like, oh, like the idea that you're gonna like put 13 years aside and go in another direction. But you're like, that's like fine. That's like, we're supposed to live that way, you know? And that's one of the same lectures. He was saying that in Japan, they have this word, yugen. I think it's Y-U-G-E-N. Mm-hmm. And there's not really uh, an English word for it but it's this idea of digging change. Like I'm into change mm. um, in all ways, the clouds moving, like the, you know, the weather changing, but also yeah. just like humanly, like from year to year, decade to decade, like we're, it's okay. And you should change and you should evolve and we should be different people. But like, there's always, there's a lot of this, like, oh, I'm defined by this thing or I put so much time into this thing or so mm-hmm. much money into this thing. Like I'm supposed to stay there it's not really the case yeah you know and like a lot of that that pain or suffering is coming from just like trying to hold on to something that like maybe you're trying to control it too much yes i I think it's the key is just letting learning to let go more and more because there's you just cling like especially with this movement stuff Mm -hmm. i can cling to the identity of hand balancer very easily and then Mm -hmm. my wrist gets hurt or something feels wrong and then my identity slides down with it like they just go together and it and it's tough and i don't want to be put in these boxes and that's why i really dig the stuff you've been putting out Mm -hmm. where it's just like you outside like the the crawl you did Mm -hmm. the last one you put up that crawl oh up the up the hill oh yeah 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 yeah. just like that 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 crawl you did is like oh so it's like that's Dude, that, that's not like a, a, it's just a crawl. Like it's a crawl and it, it's effective and it works and it does this thing and it's outside. And like, yeah. it's, it looks like you're having fun. Like you're not, you're not trying to mimic the next one. Like you're talking about mimicking. Yeah. There's so many, you know, how many tutorials are like, all right, guys, welcome to the tutorial. And it's the same bullshit over and over and over again. It's like, dude, you have something inside of you that can be so dynamic and different than this regurgitated mess that everyone else puts out it's like first thing you want to do step one it's like come on we like break the fucking tutorial you know like like you said it doesn't have to be perfect it just has to be you authentic and and even if it's not the best it's like it's that's the important thing is that it's your thing and also like people should have some participation as well you know like we said like i mean in the beginning like we don't need to clasp hands and like walk through the jungle together you know what i mean like i can be like hey there's a jungle there that's the route i'm gonna take but there are a couple other routes we'll meet at the top Mm -hmm. you know and i think that like people are like ah protocols and this and that and it's like dude we're all fucking different nothing's gonna be the same there's no steps one through ten that's gonna work every way for every person it's just like you know sometimes it's almost like hey let's just like here's something Maybe it's the thing for you. Maybe the way I do it is your thing, but like, it is what it is. Cause like, like you said, your handstand, you've got these great shoulders. I don't have this great shoulder. So like our journey into a handstand, are going to be two completely different journeys. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And that's totally okay. Have you watched the Beastie Boys documentary? No. You have I don't to- know much about the Beastie Boys, dude. But so I guess this was perfect for me because I have no nothing really. 
you should you should well first you should just listen to the beastie boys but i know i know can, the, like the hits i know the you hits. can do that after the documentary <laughs> um so they you know um one of them has died but the two of them are doing this great stage show that they did a bunch of times and they're presenting their story and it goes i think along with the book that they also put out and you know when they were young they were really like produced like you know some people helped kind of make that first album what it was because they were really young kids and they could rap but it was like another person really kind of like helped put it together to make it mm. really marketable and over time, you know, they decided like, we don't want to be that. They're the same story we're telling, but they just have a lot more money and everybody knows who they are. So they were like, we're not satisfied with this art that we're presenting to the world. We want to do something else. We're going to go learn how to play instruments. We're going to go like live some life and figure some shit out and then create something of our own. Kind of like, screw you guys. We're going to go figure shit out. And they did that and they evolved and they changed and like, you go and listen to their very first album and then whatever they put out last and it's just like, it's totally different, right? Wow. And they were okay with like taking the risk and everything. But there was this really great moment and I forget how it came about it, but I think one of the guys was being like called to task basically by an interviewer who was saying, you know, you guys have become these like real uh, activists and advocates for women's rights and you're very vocal about that now what do you say to the hypocrisy when you think of, or when you're, when I hold you to the fact that you wrote songs called like girls, you know, on your first album, like girls to do the laundry, girls to do this, blah, blah, blah. like what, what is, how, how do you, how do you respond to that? You know, the, the hypocrisy. And the guy was just like, well, I guess I would rather be a hypocrite than someone who stays the same forever. And it was just mm. so beautiful, you know? And like, you know, obviously that's like it for something that really is a, a, you know, bigger than what we're talking about. We're talking about, mm -hmm. you know, small potatoes, but just the idea of like, I think people are afraid to change because they don't want to be hypocrites. or they're afraid to change because their identity is attached to something. And it's yes. just like, hey, on this really big issue, I'm going to be like, hey, I was wrong. I don't care. I'm a hypocrite. I'd rather be a hypocrite and be like on the right side of history, you know? Yeah. And I really admired that, but I think it speaks to a lot of, a lot of things like, yeah, it's okay to like change your opinion and be like, I thought that was working that day. And now I'm like, this is actually the better idea. I think if people right. had a little more humility, we might have like a little more uh, peace and happiness around here. Dude, for sure. I mean, that would be, it doesn't have to have a timeline either. You can change your mind. You can, you can find something and then realize you were wrong and then just, and then decide, no, I, I think I'm going to go this way now the next day. You know, it's it, it definitely during this time to be, I think it's a, it, it is a great time for anyone to be creatively courageous. Like, yeah go for something, man. No one has written the rules on any of this, how content is put out on YouTube or how you get to your students. Nobody knows. So well, it's and, and, and totally if, creative. If you're doing it, and this isn't you, anyone, if you're doing it the way that someone else did it, because you saw them succeed that way, they probably succeeded because they were the first one who did it that way. 
you doing it that way, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have that special new thing. So like, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Take the risks, be fearless, be courageous, fall on your fucking face. Who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah, like throw the shit against the wall. If there's the one thing that like comes out of standup, it is like, dude, be a cockroach. Don't die. Just keep like scrounging around, like go up the walls, go across the ceiling, keep looking for the food. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Be a cockroach. That's amazing. <laughs> um, we got to do another call again at some point because I feel like you and I can like powwow for, for a long time. Oh yeah. I could just, yeah. I feel like you and I like can jam. <laughs> what, um, before I let you go, lay it down, how like people can find you lay it down, what people can do if they want to like learn from you, right. If mm -hmm. they want to do like online coaching with you, how can people reach you when you start doing your monthly class workshop? in Miami. <laughs> okay, cool. So it's pretty simple. I got two things going on. Mm -hmm. The first one is the podcast, mm -hmm. the daily practice. You can go to the daily or search for the daily practice on Spotify, iTunes, you'll find it. And then you can find me pretty much everywhere else. just with my full name at Nelson Quadras. So N E L S O N C U A D R A S. It's blocks in Spanish or in like some Spanish. Mm -hmm. So Nelson Cuadras for you Spanish speakers. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, you can DM me there. You can, you know, DM me is the best. You can send me a DM if you're interested in online coaching. And how does the online coaching work? What would people expect? What's kind of like the, 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 the lowdown on that? Cool. So I do, I offer it in four weeks or eight weeks. I recommend the eight weeks. The eight weeks is a little bit cheaper. You hit me mm -hmm. up, I'll tell you the prices. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, I communicate with my clients through WhatsApp mm -hmm. and they send me videos. They submit them on specific questions. So if they have something like, Hey, I, uh, you know, something's going on with my shoulders or I'm not sure what to do with my feet, like something like that, how mm -hmm. to use the wall. I'm not sure if I understand the video. Can you clarify? Um, they can message me anytime with that, but it's gotta be specific. And then I, you know, the beginning, I provide them with an assessment. Mm -hmm. I ask them a few questions, uh, related to movement, not related to movement, um, give them an assessment. And then I will basically, I, I sprinkle a little bit of mobility in there for most people because mm -hmm. most people need it like in the shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, but it's predominantly hand balancing. And I ask people how much time they have, but typically I recommend, Hey, you should have at least 40 minutes to an hour and a half. If you got an hour, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, most people can get it done in an hour. And then it's, Typically anywhere from five to six days a week is ideal. Some mm -hmm. people will have them do like four days a week if it's right for them. But um, yeah, and then every Friday, Saturday, or even Sunday, uh, we can do like a little bit of a deeper dive uh, mm -hmm. into something specific if they'd like. Mm -hmm. um, but predominantly it's like, hey, we talk through WhatsApp and I send you a lot of audio notes and I'll send you videos to clarify things. And you send me videos and, you know, every once in a while I'll ask you how you're doing, uh, maybe harass you mm -hmm. in, a, in the best way so you can make progress. Right. The nice and, little check-ins. Yeah. Some sarcasm, some check-ins mm -hmm. and uh, just a typical, you know, run of it, but trying to make it more unique, more creative. There's certainly some things I do. I think other coaches don't do, but I'm not going to give away the sauce. You got to come join yeah. me. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> 
don't you can't put out too much. I feel like that was the perfect amount. Cool. I was like, oh fuck, did I give away all my? I didn't really give away. What did I give away? You know. <laughs> That's great, man. Well, this is so good. Do me a favor. When we get done here, mm -hmm. um, shoot me a message with uh, your mailing address. Okay. Because I want to send you another book. Dude, you're the man. Yeah, man. Dude, this is great. Kyle, thank you so much, bro. Okay, we'll get we'll get a, we'll get a a non-recorded phone call in uh, sometime soon. Yeah, let's do it, man. That'll be beautiful. All right, dude. Have a good night. You too. Later. Bye.